write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Smyrna. For these are the words of the one who is the beginning and the end, the one who became a corpse but came back to life. I'm aware of all the painful difficulties you have passed through and your financial hardships, even though, in fact, you possess rich treasure. And I am fully aware of the slander that has come against you from those who claim to be Jews but are not. For they are a Satanic congregation. Do not yield to fear in the face of the suffering to come, but be aware of this. The devil is about to have some of you thrown into prison to test your faith. For 10 days you will have distress, but remain faithful to the day you die, and I will give you the victor's crown of life. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. The one who conquers will not be harmed by the second death. I'm Lynn. I'm Pastor Todd's assistant, and it's my privilege to bring the Word of God to you this morning. And it is good to see this great congregation here. It is a great privilege to be a part of the series. We are in Pastor Todd's series on overcomers, and is that is from the letters of the, to the seven churches, the letters from God in the book that is called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not the revelation of John the Apostle. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And each of the letters were written to churches. Now, there's been controversy through the ages about these letters, about exactly to whom they are written. Are they literally letters to the churches in those locations and about a real situation going on in those churches and God's answer, the answer from Jesus Christ himself to those churches? Or are those descriptions of different ages of the church or maybe even, John, descriptions of things that churches will go through. This church will go through this. This church will go through that. And so there's been disagreement about exactly what the letters are. And I think I have just described to you all three things, at least three of the dozen things that this is about. I think the most important thing, anytime the Word of God is preached, it, that you realize that this is for you and for me. I can't point at Karen unless I realize, I, you know, I, I've got one finger pointing back at me. This is a message for all of us. This is not just a historical reference. You've heard me say before, I don't believe in preaching just biblical, trivial pursuit. Somehow, that message, that Word of God, needs to find a place in our hearts and be applied to our lives. Now, the church that we're talking about this, this morning is the church at Smyrna. Now, I, I, I sort of joke with people that this is the church at Izmir. Uh, and that is the case. We flew into Izmir. Betty mentioned to me this morning that this whole series is making her nostalgic 
for the seven churches of Asia because we've done that tour. Brenda and I have actually, I think, done that tour four times. But we've been at these places that Todd is preaching about. And we flew into Izmir, and Jack's story told us we've got a, a short tour today before we go to our hotel, which is overlooking or, or very close to the, the ruins of Ephesus. And so we went to the top of the hill, and he said, Izmir, you know where that comes from, right? And we're all saying, no. He said, Smyrna. Smyrna in the Bible is Izmir in Turkey today. So this is the letter to the church at Smyrna, Izmir, whatever. But I want you to notice some things, and I hope you listened as the passage of Scripture was read. Jesus said to the church at Smyrna, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Smyrna. Now, I know that most translations say that write, get, write the following to the angel of the church. There's, there are a couple of things in this. This is the reason I chose this translation. It says messenger because the word angelos, angel, means messenger. We always think about the, you know, the angel in the Bible and each church had an angel. No, the each church had a messenger. Each church had a preacher. Each church had a pastor, the one who brings the message of God to the congregation. And notice that it does say congregation. That's the other thing. Uh, I think it's important for us to understand, Don, what a church is. A church is not a building, and a church is not all the saved and all the world. It's not this invisible body. It's, it's not just everybody in general. It is a congregation of believers baptized and serving God They've agreed together, we have agreed together to serve the Lord, and we're meeting here today in His name. That's what a church is. And so, your pastor, he says, Jesus says, your pastor is my messenger. I guess you could turn that around and say, my messenger is your pastor. It's the same either way. The pastor, when he preaches the message of the gospel, is the messenger of God. I need you to understand, I prayed for years now that God would call some young man in this congregation to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God does not take volunteers and the pastorate being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a vocation. It is a calling. And what a glory it would be for our church and for God to have some young man called to preach and to become, train himself, prepare himself, study and learn how to be a pastor. Because the pastor is a messenger of God to God's congregation. I want you to notice 
since the pastor is the messenger, God's word is the pastor's message. Now, Todd, I will confess when I was doing my final copy that the original copy said the pastor's message is God's word. And I looked at that and thought, that's not right. It's not necessarily wrong if the pastor's heart's right and if he's doing what he's supposed to be, if he's preaching the word of God, understand that the pastor's message must be the word of God. And so I turned it around. God's word is the pastor's message. Should not be anything else. Now, I know Todd and I both like to tell stories. His stories are different from mine. Mine are better than his. But, <laughs> but our stories are always told to make a point from the Word of God. And my fear is always that you will remember my story more than you will remember the Word of God. My hope is that you will remember the story and remember why I told it. We don't tell those stories just to be comedians or to puff ourselves up. It is to try to bring light to the meaning of the Scripture. He said, For these are the words of the one who is the beginning and the end. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the Creator God. Listen, the inspired Word of God from the Creator, from God Himself, from Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, the inspired Word of God is the Bible. Alice, I worry about our young people who go off to college because they're going to sit under some professor who's an atheist, agnostic, who will make fun of the Word of God, will destroy their faith if they can. College can be one of the most dangerous places in our nation right now. We've drifted so far. Do you realize that the original Ivy League colleges were seminaries where the Word of God was taught and where faith in Christ was exalted. That is the case no longer. The recent anti-Semitism and pro-Hamas statements from the colleges of higher learning. Higher learning? You deny the existence of God and you've made yourself a fool. The inspired Word of God is the Bible, and we are blessed to have the Word of God, and you are blessed to have a pastor who preaches the Word of God. The pastor is preaching the Word of God, and if you don't like it, talk to the author of the book. Don't blame the pastor. Talk to the author of the book. Wanted, I've said many times that the Bible is the only book, and this didn't originate with me, okay? I'm quoting someone else. The Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author is present. Yeah, present, Becky, and looking over your shoulder. 
tapping you on the heart by His Spirit to make sure you get it. I cannot tell you how important the preaching of the Word of God is, but I will tell you it's the most important thing that ever happens in this building. And it is the most power, powerful thing that can ever happen in your life. Jesus, the author of the Bible, is the creator of the universe, and He is the resurrected Savior. And I want you to get this. He and His Word are enough. They're enough. They are sufficient for every good thing that God wants you to do. And we need the Word of God. We need the preaching of the Word of God. Number two, he said, I know your situation. I know what you're going through. I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through, and I know what's coming. He said, I am aware of all the painful difficulties, and I am fully aware of the slander that has come your way by the hypocrites. Jesus knows what you're going through. Not only that, but He understands. When... Uh, I know just enough Spanish to make me dangerous. I used to know a little more. Um, I'm, I'm not, Wendy, I'm not going to use that thing. I know a, a little Spanish. I'm talking about the cook at the restaurant. But there is a difference in the Spanish language and in the Greek language. There is a difference in knowing and understanding knowing and understanding. I want you to know Jesus knows your situation. When I'm standing up here preaching, Tracy, I don't know everybody's situation. Uh, and it's always my prayer, Clive, that I can preach in a way that maybe it's generic enough, but the Spirit of God can take it and make it specific to your need. And He does that. And, and I used to pray every time I would get in the pulpit and I would pray aloud at the beginning of my message. You know, Bregan, we used to do that. And I would pray aloud, Lord, you preach the message that I'm only able to start. I did that at a seminary one time and the president of the seminary came to me and said, if I'd known, we could have given you more time. I wasn't talking about time. I was talking about I am not able to make the sermon specific enough for everybody. But the Spirit of God can. He knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's ahead of you today and tomorrow. And He cares. And He understands. Because He went through the slander. He understands the painful difficulties. He said, I, I'm aware of the painful difficulties you have passed through. He knows, and He was there all the time. You hear me? He was there all the time. I, I love the story somebody told, somebody made up, but that's okay. 
it was good for me about the foot, footprints in the sand and, and someone's, you know, said to the Lord, you said you would be with me all the way and I looked back and there was two sets of footprints and then all of a sudden there was just one. Where, where did you go? And he answered, I was still there. That's the place where I was carrying you. And I understand standing before some of you this morning, you've come through times when God had to carry you. I think especially this morning of my dear, sweet friend, Pat Clements. My dear friend, Larry Clements, was promoted last week, and that's why we had to call off the parenting conference. I've known Larry Clements and Pat and their kids since January of 1984. We've been close. We've spent time together. And she is a new widow. And I know she's in a situation right now that God is carrying her. Let God carry you. When you get to that place of difficulties, He knows, He cares, and He will carry you through. And He's enough. There are times in life when that's, He's all you have. And when that happens, He is enough talked about financial hardships, painful difficulties and financial hardships. I've probably spent too much time listening to Dave Ramsey and, and Holy Schmidt. If you don't know who that is, that's a guy who speaks a lot about retirement. And for some reason, I have an interest in that right now. But you know, we talk about our financial situation and inflation and, 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 and all this. And sometimes we can come off, in Alabama we talk about poor-mouthing. By the way, I've never liked to hear missionaries poor-mouth, and I've heard some. And the truth is, serving God on the foreign mission field, I'm so excited about Todd and Kelly and what they're going to get to do, and serving God in that way is a privilege and a blessing. And God provides in marvelous ways. And the truth is, we are rich beyond measure. If you have Jesus, you have eternal treasure. I talk about hardships that have a relationship issue that I'm going through. Had a talk. My heart was broken. Relationship was mostly broken. I went out and sat down on the swing. And Jesus said, Am I enough? Am I enough? Todd, I suspect that Pat is hearing that voice now. Am I enough? 
Some of you understand that, don't you, Nita? Am I enough? And I said, yes. Yes, Lord. If you are all I have, you are enough, and I am rich. One of the situations was slander from hypocrites. I'm fully aware of the slander that has come against you from those who claim to be Jews, but are not. They are satanic, a satanic congregation. There's a lot of slander going on about Christians right now. But understand, that should be no surprise. If they slander Jesus, the very Son of God, He said they'll slander you too. Listen, Jesus is on your side. If you know Him, your faith is in Him, you have a relationship with Him, you're serving Him, He is on your side. I've been reprimanded for saying that because, you know, spiritually speaking, they say, you're supposed to say you're on His side. David said, God is on my side. I have chosen Him. I have chosen to serve Him. I love Him. And He is on my side. If that's true, John, who can be against me? If God is for us, who can be against us? Because he's enough. He outnumbers everyone. Number three, he said to the church, don't fear the future. Do not yield to fear in the face of the suffering to come. Now hang on. There's something here we need to see and we need to recognize. The face of suffering to come. Do not fear the face of suffering to come. Paige, what does that mean? There's suffering's coming. That's not a joyous news, is it? But it's a fact. It is a fact in our lives, storms do come. Now, some people preach a health and welfare gospel that if you know Jesus, then nothing bad will ever happen to you. It's a lie. It's a lie. I've had this discussion with my staff. Serving God is not safe. Just ask Paul. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. And he died for the gospel that he preached. Serving God's not safe. There will be storms. There may be persecution. Thankfully, I'm thankful that we live in Arkansas, and it's no surprise to me why all these people from California are moving here. <laughs> I would too. I'm grateful for the faith, generally speaking, of the people in our state. I'm grateful for the faith in our nation, though it is on the decrease. But there are storms on the horizon. And he asked us to be fearless and to react to face those bits of suffering 
not with fear, but with faith. Realize that the suffering is going to be from the devil. He said, he's going to have some of you thrown in prison. Only time I've been in prison, praise God, was as a visitor doing pastoral visitation. Oh, and when I was bivocational, I delivered office supplies to the prison. I think that's the first time I walked into prison and heard that door clang shut behind me. I wanted out immediately. Let me out of here. But I was not an inmate. I can't imagine what that's like. I really can't. And the fact that they are going to be persecuted because of their faith. Will the day come in our nation when someone is thrown in jail because of nothing else other than their faith? Absolutely. We've been very close. Persecution because of faith. Understand, though, that it is a test of our faith. I don't know who said this. I've heard it for most of my ministry. Harry Williams said it often. Faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Our faith grows stronger when we are tested. And the answer to those tests is be faithful all your life. The verse says, for 10 days you'll have distress. Brock, that means it's not here to stay. It's temporary. Everything in this life is temporary. It's all passing away. What remains is what is in heaven, who is in heaven, and what we invest there. Don't fear the temporary. Focus on the permanent, the eternal, and remain faithful till the day you die. And he promises faithfulness will earn you a crown. Now he's saying that to that church, but he's saying it to faith in LR too. Remain faithful to the day you die, and I will give you the victor's crown of life. You too can be an overcomer. You can overcome the slander. You can overcome the persecution. You can overcome financial difficulties by faith in Jesus Christ. It is our faith that overcomes the world. And it earns us a crown. Your reward for faithful service is a crown given to you by Jesus Christ, the one in whom you have placed your faith. There's a reward for faithfulness. may not come in this life, but it will come in the, in the life to come. And then finally, there's an even greater reward, an even greater reward that awaits you. He says, the one whose heart is open. Is your heart open to God? Think about it. Is your heart heart open to God. Are you, are you listening? Are you hearing what God is having to say? 
is it making it all the way to your heart? Let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. The Spirit of God, Todd prayed for me backstage. We pray for each other before we get in the pulpit every week. And By the way, can I say, one of you guys who sits over there close, if you ever see that I'm delayed and I don't get back in time to pray with Todd, would you do that for me? before he gets in the pulpit. I'm serious. I'm asking you. Pray for that man before he comes to the pulpit. Pray that the Spirit of God would speak in this service, that people would hear, and the message of God would enter their hearts in conviction and in direction, in surrender to the will of God. The one who conquers will not. This is the even greater reward. The one who conquers by his faith will not be harmed by the second death. You know what the second death is? That's hell. We're, it's appointed to, my, to men once to die. We don't have a second appointment with death. But I need to warn you, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never been saved, you already have an appointment for a second death and eternity in hell. Ooh, that's not popular preaching. Went to Washington one time and met a relative there who said, oh, I don't like church because I don't like all that preaching about hell and stuff. Well, if you don't like preaching about hell and hell worries you, you ought to do something about it. You see, I need to ask you today, I've already said, is your heart open to God? Do you hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you? I've already said, I can't speak specifically to every one of you and your need, but the Spirit of God can, because Jesus knows you. He knows what you've been through. He knows the deepest secrets of your heart. He knows you better than you know you. And He can take His Word as a sharp sword and speak piercingly to, what, to you about what's going on in your life. And I pray that He'll do that. I pray that the Spirit of God will march between these rows and these chairs and will touch in some way every single one of you. That you will hear what He's saying to you and you will do what He's asking you to do. And understand, if you come to Jesus, when we talk about you receiving eternal life, I'm saying believing Jesus gives you immunity from hell. Susan, that's what eternal life means. That's a part of it. It's instead of death, John, we get life. Instead of second death, eternal death, we're given the gift of everlasting life. I want to ask you, would you please stand, bow your heads, Close your eyes. I'm going to ask our pastor to come and stand before you.
Because I, I have great hope that the Spirit of God has spoken to someone this morning. I don't know what he said. Maybe he said, repent. Maybe he said, rededicate. Maybe he, maybe he said, surrender. Whether it's to ministry, to service here, but whatever he has said to you this morning, we call this an invitation because it is a time when we invite you to respond to the Word of God that you've heard preached and give in to Jesus Christ to obey the Holy Spirit. And so at this point, with Todd standing here in front, would you come, pray with him, let him know what the Spirit has said, help him to direct you. I know it may be embarrassing for you, but I'm a little, just a little bit old-fashioned. I like to see people at the altar of God on their knees, consulting with the pastor, making commitments that will last for the rest of their lives. If you need to do that, don't hold back. Come now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking around because I want this to be a private time. I want it to be a time when you can do business with God and surrender to His will. Will you come? Slip out from where you are and come now. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I pray again for the movement of Your Spirit. I pray for everyone here who needs to make a decision that they will do so. To your honor and your glory. Amen.